Welcome to the Unforgotten Families Podcast, an action-oriented community of hope, inclusivity, and compassion for all medically fragile families. This podcast was created to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of these resilient individuals. It's our hope that the information and stories we share will inspire and empower you to join us in advocating for these families and help to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us at the Unforgotten Families podcast. My name is Garrett Brill, and I'll be your host. We wanted to take this episode to explain what this podcast is all about, who we are, what will be coming up next for all the listeners. And before we get into the podcast, we wanted to tell you about our nonprofit, The Unforgotten Families. And to do that, I've brought on one of the founders who I consider to be a mentor and friend, Fred Johnson. Fred is the president and CEO of Team Select Home Care. And outside of the families who are their own strongest advocates, Fred is one of the biggest advocates I know. Fred, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here, Garrett. Thank you. So I have been thinking about this, and it's actually been almost exactly five years since you and I worked together at Team Select. Yep, it's yep. It's kind of crazy it's great to think to, about. <laughs> it's awesome to be back together again. And, um, you know, we didn't stay in great touch during that time. We had, like, little notes here and there. Um, but I have to tell you that when I heard about a group of people that was trying to get this Colorado Family CNA program into all 50 states, I knew I had to be involved. And, you know, I got to experience that program firsthand and how it affects not just the families and the ch children, but the community at large. And uh, so thank you for being a part of that. You bet. And, and you actually really helped um, be a lot of the inspiration uh, for me to to go ahead and, and, um, and partner with a lot of people to help pursue this. You know, you were really one of the first ones to, to introduce me to a, a handful of families that you were um, help providing care for at home. And it was really the, the relationships and contact and, and time spent with those families uh, that really served as the initial inspiration for the Unforgotten Families and for really trying to take this, this Colorado Family CNA program to more states. Absolutely. I feel like there was the Garrett before I was interacting and caring for families with special needs children and the Garrett after. Do right. you feel like that at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think in the beginning, I think you and I, we both just got so buried in in our work and doing everything we could to try to overcome nursing shortages, overcome reimbursement problems to help this population. But all we were doing was just getting caught up in the hamster wheel like everybody else. And, and it wasn't really until I think you and I really um, got a, a deeper understanding that you know, some of these fundamental problems just can't be fixed with hard work. It's going to take some innovation, some advocacy, and, and locking arms with a whole bunch of people in order to fix the root cause of some of these problems and challenges that these families face every day. Absolutely. And, and that's a perfect transition into what I would love to talk about first, which is how the Unforgotten Families came about and what's what's been your inspiration behind it? Yeah, so, you know, it really began um, about seven years ago when I joined Team Select. And, you know, the the we do a lot of different 
types of, of home health care, but primarily about 90% of what we do is take care of medically fragile children in their homes, and we provide nursing and therapy. And, and our main goal is to keep these kids out of the hospital um, so that they can be raised at home and be with their, be with their families. And, but, you know, we both know from years of experience doing this job how difficult that is to make happen uh, when you have such an extreme nursing shortage. And then, you know, basically home health care is reimbursed primarily by Medicaid. And a lot of those Medicaid rates haven't changed for decades. And simultaneously, we've seen an explosion in, in demand for nursing as well as an explosion in, in the rates um, that hospitals and other institutions are able to pay those nurses compared to home health. And so, you know, it was really the contrast between families that existed and are trying to care for their medically fragile children and, and, and get the care that their medically fragile children are entitled to um, in Colorado where they have this special program and you know you and I both would meet families and parents and children from Colorado that were thriving despite the national challenges around the nursing shortage and access to care and then contrasting that with all the families that that we would meet in Arizona and um, you know pick just about any other state in the country and the the hardships and the difficulty that these families um, experienced on a daily basis just trying to get the care that their child needs in order to stay home um, and out of the hospital and and it was just such a contrast between the two um, that it, it, it took a minute but we eventually realized that holy cow it's this program this special program that Colorado has that's now starting to get more attention and, and soon will be coming to other markets that is the main difference and uh, so we then really figured that okay now we have to try to expand this and it became quickly apparent that it's a group effort and that we needed uh, an advocacy campaign we needed media we needed to engage more with families children's hospitals uh, boards of nursing medicaid and and to do that we we really felt that the only way to do that was to create a nonprofit an advocacy group and um, and that was really the foundation of of the unforgotten families or tuf tough for short Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about meeting families and, you know, actually experiencing what they go through. Was there like an aha moment for you when you realized like, wow, um, this program is really, really changing families' lives? Yeah, I, there was one event in particular, probably a little over four, almost five years ago. And um, we had, at Team Select, we had opened a new pediatric office in Pueblo, Colorado, so, so fairly far uh, south in Colorado. And, and I went to attend that open house, and we had a, a family there. It was a, um, a mother, a father, and a sister. And all of them um, had become CNAs through this, this special program. And all of them um, were, were taking part in providing um, a lot of the care for, for their son or sibling uh, named Aaron. And, and the mom, her name's Bobby, got up and spoke about um, Team Select and, and how it had changed her life. And, but really, it, it was not necessarily really just Team Select. It was really this, this special program. Um, they had spent years 
um, fighting for about, you know, 12, probably 15 years, maybe fighting to get the care um, in the home that Aaron needed on a daily basis in order to stay healthy and stay at home and, and not be confined to a hospital or an institution. And she really went through the program how herself, her husband, um, their, their daughter, all basically uh, took, took advantage of this program in Colorado where we take parents, family members, we train them for free to become CNAs with no strings attached. And essentially, they get um, hired by an agency like Team Select, and uh, they are able to take on some of the lower acuity duties of, of Aaron's health care, daily health care, thereby freeing up nurses to work as more case managers, uh, clinical supervisors, directors of nursing, or to be freed up to work on more higher acuity type cases. And her getting up there and talking about it and actually getting teary-eyed and talking about how this has changed their lives uh, for the better was really that moment when, when I kind of said to myself about halfway through her, her talking that, holy cow, you know, we really need to do something about this. And, and that was really kind of the, the, the inspiration that kind of tipped things over the edge from me thinking about it and aspiring to it to saying, this is something we've got to start working on like tomorrow. And that's something that I realized too. It's just like, you know, I was caring for families in Arizona and I could just feel and see the difference in the whole community, how it affected families. It's just, I, I think about the families that were having a really hard time finding the right nurse in their location or because of the care or because of whatever the circumstances were. And the family, the mother, single mom would still be there and have to take care of their child and not be able to go to work. And when I would hear about how someone like that was benefiting in Colorado and then all of the exponential, the care um, for the child is, is exponentially better, having that continuity of care and the family, it's, it's just a little less stress. They just, yeah. they deserve a little less stress. Absolutely. And the more I hear their stories, you, you hear how resilient they are, where it's just amazing how much they've gone through and that it's almost like it's it's just a little bump in their road the way that they talk about it. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. It's crazy. So, well, now that we understand, you know, a little bit about, you know, the aha moment with Unforgotten Families and with the program, can you talk about the the mission of the unforgotten families yes absolutely so like i said before just just shining a spotlight hard work spending time educating people unfortunately isn't enough um to to drive about true change um you know the biggest problem we're trying to solve here is the nursing shortage and that nursing shortage is not really going to get better anytime soon this is a problem that we're going to have for probably a decade or more so with with bringing about the unforgotten families we felt that we needed to focus also on innovation and not the fancy kind of innovation like machine learning and artificial intelligence and all that kind of stuff but very practical innovation that can be implemented quickly and easily and and frankly driven around solutions like this colorado family cna program that have been right in front of us the entire time and so as it comes to 
you know, how we really came up with Tough and the Unforgotten Families. You know, what we, what we kind of thought through is that these children and family, these families are warriors in their everyday life. They fight every day uh, to get the care that they need and, in, frankly, in order to stay alive. Um, so that's really where the concept originated from. So Tough's mission has really become and quickly developed into becoming a voice, an advocate, and a champion for these medically fragile children and their families. So we seek to create awareness of the complex needs and challenges that this population faces and really look to pave the way to create valuable relationships and bringing about life-changing positive impact to this population in an innovative and practical way that doesn't rely on necessarily donations and money in order to, to solve some of these problems. And in fact, most of the way that we approach these problems um, can actually uh, be done in a way that actually saves Medicaid and, and states and insurers money in the process while providing uh, better care, more continuity of care, and, and doing so at a lower cost. That's what I always like to tell people, too, when we talk about the cost, right? It's someone has to be there. I went and met an amazing family in Littleton, Colorado, and when the mother was talking about this program and feeding her nine-year-old, um, she was just like, someone has to be doing this. Why not it be me? Yep. And it just really clicked when she said that to me. Yeah. And that's really one of the the main challenges. Um, it's 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 the opportunity, but but it's also the challenge. And and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, one of the things that's been very difficult to to get across when trying to pave the way for this program to more states is is the perception that we're paying parents to be parents which is is something that that couldn't be further from the truth and so you know when we talk about this program one thing that i think is in, is important to clarify is when we are talking about parents to provide care for their children we are talking about generally skilled care that is supposed to be performed by nurses in the home, but because of the the nationwide the, the nationwide nursing shortage that was with us even before COVID, and exacerbated by COVID, um, no matter what we do, there's just not enough nurses. Even if we could hire all of them for for home health, there's just not enough of them. And so, you know, innovatively, um, you know, the model in Colorado that we really follow is is really taking those parents. Um, and as you know and, and experience, there's such a high divorce rate among, among families of medically fragile children. And then unfortunately, as, as hardworking, educated, talented as any of these parents may be, they often find themselves on food stamps and, and unemployment um, because of the fact that when there's no nurse and, and a nurse can't be supplied on a consistent basis, that, that parent or parents have essentially two choices. Number one is, you know, commit your child back to a children's hospital or an institution and, and essentially have your child be raised in that setting for days, weeks, months. And in some cases, we see, unfortunately, very frequently, years on end where those children go in and are unable to come out because of lack of available uh, nursing in the home. And, and that's a tough decision to make, but some parents have to make that decision so that they can work outside the home and maintain employment. Um, 
the other the other option which we also see very frequently is when there is no nurse that 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 parent or parents um, have to put their job on the line call in sick to work um, or whatever they need to do or essentially exit the workforce in order to stay home and and keep their child with them and keep their child growing but the perception that we're paying them to be parents just couldn't be further from the truth essentially all we're doing is taking tasks that were authorized or previously being performed by a nurse and having those tasks be safely and effectively delegated to a parent and we're talking about things like bowel care activities of daily living g and j tube feedings medication administration um, toileting bathing and and we free up those those valuable nurses to work at the high end of their license on those more acute cases um, and and like i mentioned before become supervisors and those parents are only being paid to provide care at a lower cost, at a lower reimbursement rate um, than than the state or private insurance was paying a nurse to do before. Yeah, and you make a good point there because one of the things that really comes up for me with this is a when the nurse isn't there, they're they're providing that care, and now they're leaving their job to provide that care. So they're already capable, but you're giving them a little extra training. And I actually spoke with another family in Colorado, which people have heard on this podcast or will hear where she feels that she saved her child's life because she understood seizure protocol, which she never knew beforehand. And those are the kind of things that could be one life that actually was changed, saved because of it. Um, And then also, this is what they do in the hospital, right? The doctor delegates tasks to nurses. The nurse delegates tasks to a CNA. A lot of the times, a CNA is coming in or a health aide and is helping you. And then your nurse comes and your doctor comes like for five minutes usually. Yep. And so it's kind of doing the same thing that we see in a hospital. Yeah, it's really just matching the level of care required or the acuity of the task being performed with the most readily available and affordable level of clinician and we've been doing that in 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 hospitals and physicians office and healthcare you know in general for you know decades maybe even maybe even more than a century or more uh, but for whatever reason it, it, it never really was looked at or, or no one tried to solve this problem outside of Colorado um, in that way when it comes to to medically fragile children and it's really been the you know the 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 nursing shortage and the the severe acuity of it that has really led to more innovative models but at the end of the day no amount of of money or advocacy or you know anything else that the unforgotten families can do to manufacture more nurses in the short term so you know, and you could you could expand this problem to tons of different types of, of of patient groups, but essentially all we're trying to do is say nurses are scarce and yes, these children are are acute, but they're also generally stable. If these children weren't stable, they wouldn't be authorized to receive care in the home. And in order to to take care of these children in the least expensive, most practical way is to take those lower acuity duties that um, that simply need to be performed every day so that a stable child stays stable. So when a stable child gets their you know, traditional G&J tube feedings, their bowel care so they don't get an infection, their, you know, their, their, their trach 
changed and suctioned. When, when a stable child gets those care plan elements performed every day, they generally remain stable. And then we see a massive reduction in the hospitalization of those children. And when the hospital charges are anywhere between 50 to 60% of the total cost of care for these children, we're not only saving the state of Colorado money on every hour worked because they're able to pay less for us to um, have a CNA execute the care than, than an LPN or an RN, but we're also significantly reducing those hospitalizations, which is the primary driver of the total cost of care. And thereby we're freeing up and opening up hospital beds for, for more acute children, unfortunately in the, in the current state for COVID um, affected children. And, um, and we're greatly uh, reducing the total cost and freeing up valuable healthcare and Medicaid dollars for, for other um, deserving and needy populations. You know, when I think about the Unforgotten Families and what we're trying to accomplish, I, I'd love to know like what keeps you motivated to keep working on this. Yeah, well, you know, it clearly is part of my everyday job. Um, I routinely interact with these children and families, and until they're all getting the care that they need, uh, the inspiration and resolve just intensifies. You know, the shortage isn't going to get any better, unfortunately, as it relates to the nursing shortage. It's just going to get worse. And since home health, unfortunately, has the lowest reimbursement rates uh, to try to hire nurses, just throwing more money at the problem isn't going to produce nurses out of thin air in the short term. Um, so overall, whether it's through the Unforgotten Families or Team Select, what we're really trying to build is a special culture for our patients, the families, and our nurses and employees. And, and it's really the, the, the vision that, that we essentially have for Unforgotten Families and, and, and Team Select is uh, to try to create an, an, an intersection of Kind of four main things. You know, I've done some you know, research outside of Team Select and, and found that the people that are happiest in their jobs, the people that live the longest in life and, and make the most difference in life, really find the intersection of, of four main things in their career. And, and for me, it's these four main things that were really part of the inspiration to, to found the Unforgotten Families along with, with several others and develop a culture of, of focusing on four things in my personal and professional life. And, and that's number one, really loving what I do. And, and it's, it's, it's advocating for these families and being a voice and seeing change that, that I really have found that I just love to do. Uh, number two, you got to be great at it. So love what you do, but you have to be really good at it. Number three, uh, make money at it from a career standpoint or make enough money so that you can keep it going. So in this case, it's, it's being able to, to have a job that's financially viable that can, can give me a career, but also um, allow me to continue to expand on, on these types of solutions and bring more um, advocacy and, and results to more places. And then most importantly, um, making the world a better place. So loving what you do, being great at it, making some money so it's sustainable, and making the world a better place has really been the, the inspiration for me, both at Team Select and with the Unforgotten Families, um, in order to bring all those four things uh, together to create the best, the best outcomes possible. 
you know, saying all that, I would, I would love to hear uh, what keeps you motivated, Garrett, because you've, you've become a, a, a tremendous advocate and, and a voice for these families as well. So for me, what really, what it really comes back to is, you know, when I used to be in these families' homes five, I can't believe it was five years ago. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved what I did. And just really seeing the resilience of the families and the needs that they have. And I would say just knowing how few people really know about it. You know, I've made calls to families. I've made calls to nonprofits and clinicians all over the country. And it's crazy to me that I will talk to the heads of nonprofits and they won't even know about it. And so I feel like we have to at least let people know what they are missing and what they could possibly have. And I think that at the very least, if families around the country were able to decide whether they'd like a CNA or a nurse, that should be that should be something that they have. That is just the biggest motivator, like the combination of me understanding it, me knowing about it, and me knowing that there's families in Colorado that are benefiting so much. And Colorado isn't this anomaly. If it's if it's benefiting so many families in Colorado, it's going to benefit families all over the country. That's what really keeps me going. And every time I talk to another family and get to hear their story, it just fuel, fills me up um, and makes me want to be that passionate and that resilient in my life as well. So thank you for asking about that. So we have talked a little bit about the mission of the Unforgotten Families, Fred, and I would love for you to share our vision and our core values if you're open to doing that. Yeah, for sure, Garrett. Um, so, you know, tough really is just getting started. We just received our 501C3 uh, approval, uh, thanks to thanks to you, um, uh, actually just, just last week. So we've been operating as, as, as somewhat of a nonprofit um, already, but but we've really only been going at this for for less than a year. So it's going to change and evolve and grow significantly from here. And in the major item that we're focusing on now is is due to the the extreme nursing shortage. How long that nursing shortage is projected to last, combined with 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 COVID, which is exacerbating the the nursing situation and and hospitals are filling up um, and nurses are in such demand that we're focusing a lot on trying to bring this Colorado program to new states because it directly solves um, or directly helps solve some of those critical problems such as the nursing shortage and and hospital beds being filled up long term though you know that's just one element of of, of things that we will advocate for and, and practical, innovative changes that we'll seek to drive over time. But in terms of the, the main uh, themes um, of the unforgotten families over time, uh, the, main, the main items are inclusivity to, to really represent all medically fragile children and their families. Uh, number two, and, and maybe most importantly, is action. We're not just seeking to, to bring in donations and dollars and, and use that to educate people or redistribute those dollars to people in need. We are seeking practical and innovative ways to better solve this problem for the long term in a way that um, saves money 
and drives better outcomes for these children and these families. Um, clearly, compassion will be a, a large part of, of everything that we do and really kind of understanding and bringing awareness. If, if we're going to get action, people need to first understand the problem. So we do need to, to bring awareness to the daily hardships that these families face every day. The, the final three really revolve around hope, being a beacon for these families and, and showing them and, and engaging them to be part of the process and that there are better ways and there are um, things that can make their life better if, if, if we can drive some of this change. Uh, community is really important. So many of these families feel like they're on an island, and, and that's part of the reason why um, the Unforgotten Families piece came about is that a lot of these families uh, don't have that sense of community because they're so isolated in their homes um, taking care of their children. So we really want to bring a community together where these families can go and and learn from each other, talk to each other, help each other. And then, you know, consistent and constant resilience. You know, we get the door uh, not necessarily slammed in our face, but we, we deal with, with hurdles every single day, uh, just like this population does. And just like this population um, overcome these challenges on a daily basis and never give up, uh, neither will tough. Thank you for sharing those core values and the vision, Fred. I appreciate that. And I really wanted to dive a little bit into, um, you know, it's been about a year that, you know, this has been moving forward and what's been one of your biggest takeaways and one of your biggest learning opportunities, um, as becoming one of the founders of tough. Yeah. You know, I, I think unfortunately the biggest learning opportunity has been just how hard it is sometimes to drive change, um, with, with different Medicaid states. Um, you know, I think the, the, the people that, that work at Medicaid all want to see these children better taken care of. I, I think that, you know, most people go into those jobs wanting to, to make the world a better place for a lot of these, these, these families and, and other Medicaid recipients. But I think the, the level of, of red tape and bureaucracy and the difficulty of of moving the needle and driving change even when that change is is so apparent and obvious that um, the biggest realization that i had was that um, it really was going to take an entire army of of stakeholders in order to drive about real change so you know what what we're seeking to really accomplish with the unforgotten families is to lock arms with these families other advocacy groups, competitors, children's hospitals, pediatricians, boards of nursing. And I think we, we, we didn't have a great appreciation for how many stakeholders there are in this process and just how valuable it is for all of us and all of them to be on the same page. Yeah, that's something that I realized as well, that it, it's not just money, right, that, that makes this happen. It's not just legislation, as we've seen in some states, where it actually, we need like an army of people to say, I want this and I need this. And that's what we're trying to do is spread that awareness about the program so that people know what they can actually fight for. Because right now in some of the states, they don't even know that this is something that they can have. Exactly. It's possible. Um, what's been the most rewarding thing so far since you've started Tough? 
Yeah, definitely. This is probably the the easiest question of the day, and and so it's definitely been that uh, here in our home state, where we're where we are at the moment um, in Arizona, uh, will be essentially the the next state or the second state to legislatively approve this program and bring it to market. So this was this is where most of our learning for the unforgotten families happened. This was um, a, a a real team effort over over almost two and a half years in order to bring this program to market. We had to uh, work together with competitors, um, advocacy groups, legislators, the governor, children's hospitals, the board of nursing. And uh, the amount of, of, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of, of different people's time went into this. And, and uh, I'm very happy to say that uh, within the next couple of months, um, I do, we, we think by January 1st of 2022 or anywhere near there, give or take a couple of months, uh, this program will be operational um, across all of Arizona and and home health companies and and parents and families of medically fragile children will be able to access and have this program as an option um, that they never had before. And just to you know quickly reiterate what that means for for these families is you know so many of these families have like we discussed a, a, a very high um, divorce rate and unemployment rate. And so going forward, um, these families will have a choice of um, becoming a what we what we're call a licensed health aide here in Arizona, which is going to be about 120 hours of classroom and on-the-job training, another 40 hours of um, clinical on-the-job training, and then a lot of precepting and support and clinical supervision and technology that they will have access to. And you know, we we talk that this isn't for for every child or every parent, but if we can get maybe 30, 40 percent of the hours um, or cases for these children filled in this way, that's that's 30 to 40 percent more nurses that we're freeing up to work on higher acuity cases, to to fight COVID, to work in our hospitals, et cetera. So you know that um, just simply the fact that. We finally got a second state knocked down and that it's coming here to Arizona within a few months and and will soon begin making the world a significantly better place for these children and families. And and then most importantly, I think what, what makes it even more exciting is I think so many of the states have been reluctant or gun shy to be the the second state to essentially implement this program. And with Arizona having the courage to do that and um, having that program start here in in the next couple of months, I hope will create a domino effect across many more states going forward. It is it is interesting to see the, the different states. You know, we've been working on this and it's like, oh, this state's going to be next. And then there's a there's a road bump and then it's like, OK, well, maybe this state will be next. And um, it is beautiful to see that Arizona looks to be like it's going to be happening on January 1st. I'm not going to say it absolutely will because right. we've seen what has happened, but it feels very likely and it's very exciting. So Fred, with all of the experience that you've had throughout your life and through running Team Select and now starting Tough and then working with 
you know, different advocacy groups and working with legislation. You know, if you had $100 million to spend on the healthcare industry as a whole with no red tape, how would you spend it? So the the beauty of, of the Unforgotten Families and this program is that it costs a little bit of money to create the awareness, whether that's, you know, through the media, through podcasts like we're doing now. Um, but it doesn't take a lot of money to do that. Um, and uh, uh, when we get the program actually implemented, we're actually saving a ton of money. And so I think that's one of the... the the beautiful things about this program is, you know, instead of asking for more dollars and more dollars so we can be more competitive and hire nurses away from hospitals and other settings, um, we can actually deliver this program and better results with less money. So what I would do other than, you know, put a little bit more into the awareness so that we can, we can help bring this program to more states is I would free up those those dollars. I would take those dollars and put them directly into creating more nurses. There's really, at the end of the day, between the, the, the baby boomers and aging population and people living longer and not enough schools, not enough teachers, not enough people going into the nursing profession, what I would do is create more government programs um, or scholarship opportunities. I would go into to high schools and I would, you know, be looking for minorities, underprivileged, people that never thought that they could become a nurse. And, you know, someone can, these days can become, you know, a CNA or a nursing aide, you know, for a few thousand dollars, maybe even a little bit less. And, and in one month of time, someone can become an LPN, a licensed practical nurse or LVN, licensed vocational nurse in as short as a year. And knowing how long this nursing shortage is going to be with us and knowing that at its core, we just don't have enough, I would create scholarships and more opportunities to to educate more nurses and to uh, bring about more people into the profession that um, that really never thought they could have made it before. Amazing. I love that answer, Fred. It's not only empowering people on one side to become clinicians and nurses, but on the other side, you're solving the nursing shortage. And I think that's an awesome idea. Maybe one day we'll have $100 million to implement it. There's one thing that I wanted to do before we close out the podcast, and that's to speak directly to the listeners, give them an expectation of what we're going to do specifically with the podcast. So what you can expect as a listener is to hear directly from parents and families who care for medically fragile children, both families that are experiencing the Family CNA program, and also families that may be getting it soon in other states like Arizona. Um, you'll hear from doctors and nurses who deeply understand these families' needs and really just speaking with anybody who is working hard and advocating on their behalf. We hope to share really positive solutions, amplify families' voices, and empower you as the listener to become an advocate and take action in your state. And we're going to do our best to make it very easy to do so. And if you are a family member or a parent of a medically fragile child that you care for, please reach out to us if you'd like to share your story or if you'd like to know more information. If you are just someone that really wants to be a strong advocate for this program and for the Unforgotten Families, please reach out. We would love to hear from you. 
anybody that wants to support and connect, please reach out. And other than that, I just want to say thank you to Fred for spending time with us today. We really appreciate all that you do. And thank you for putting so much energy into this community, the Unforgotten Families. And we just appreciate you. Well, I, uh, I couldn't think of anybody else that I enjoy partnering with so much on this. And, and it's just fantastic to, to, to work with you again um, and really to work with you on a daily basis um, to try to help this population. Thank you so much, Fred. Can you share with the listeners today what they can do to help with tough and to get involved? For sure, for sure. So I think overall, um, you know, speak up, be vocal, advocate for yourself, but to join forces with us and um, spread awareness and find some tools and collateral that can be used to help advocate for, uh, for this population, uh, go to www.theunforgottenfamilies.com. <laughs> <laughs>